Hello, confidants, my ooh, sparkly, fantastical, owning our truth confidants. Welcome to another episode of Confidently Antikira. I am your host, Kelsey Dara. And this is the podcast where we're absolutely sure we don't know everything. And this week's guest is so fun. I am so jazzed to have her on. Listen to these accolades, baby. She is a New York Times bestselling author of Find Your Unicorn Space and Fair Play. And Fair Play is a method which provides access to professional training tools to utilize with clients in a variety of ways, like one-on-one coaching, couples counseling, etc. She studied at the University of Michigan and, whoa, 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 Harvard Law School. Big guns coming in. Eve Rodsky. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Kelsey. I'm really happy to be here. I was just saying to you earlier that I love your podcast. It's really fun and informative and important. So I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you join us. And I want to jump right in because I too am an author and I know anyone that can create a book in this lifetime, in this current climate (laughs) should be given all the awards and all the praises. So tell me, let's start at the beginning. What started your love for writing? Such a great question because I definitely didn't have writer or gender division of labor expert on my third grade, what do you want to be when you grow up board? I think I had like astronaut, Kelsey. Um, But they often say, right, that you create what you need. And for me, 10 years ago, at the peak of my burnout uh, Mm. with my marriage falling apart, which is now not, but it was then. Um, and two kids under the age of three. Wow. Um, I was at peak burnout. And mm. really, my entire, the last decade of my life has been defined by a text that my husband Seth sent me that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. I wish I could say it was something more profound or different, but <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. My blueberries breakdown, I now call it, started with just sobbing on the side of the road, mm. feeling like I was being defined by being the fulfiller of my partner's smoothie needs. And mm. um, as you said so beautifully, I'm a Harvard-trained mediator. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm used to asking for what I need, and instead I'm sitting there sobbing on the side of the road with a breast mm. pump and a diaper bag on the passenger seat of my car, gifts for a newborn baby to return on, on, in the backseat of my car, a client contract in my lap because I had opted out of the traditional workforce to quote-unquote gain more time, mm. which I think is a complete fallacy now. Mm. Anybody who's not in the traditional workforce Mm. that used to be there has been forced out Mm. and sitting there instead of asking for what I needed sitting there in complete silence rage and resentment thinking that my unique situation was that I was a she fault you know the person Mm. in charge of doing it all Mm. so that that day Kelsey is is how I reclaim my love of writing because Mm. for me it was becoming curious about what was happening to me and then starting to write it down in my first moleskin journal. Ah. My first moleskin journal I, I picked up in a store. I hadn't used a journal in a long time. I used to journal religiously when I was in my teens. Aww. But bringing it out and starting to ask questions of people. And like I was a reporter in my own, of my own life. Mm. That's how I discovered my love of writing again. By asking mm. others. Mm. By researching. Um, mm. And that... that the answers were were leading me down uh, a new career path. Mm, That's so beautiful. That was so succinct and meaningful and like 
Holy shit, we could just be done there. Uh, thanks so yeah. much for joining. No. <laughs> okay, so you found this passion again. You're starting to ask questions. I love the idea of becoming an expert by asking questions. What is it that you found by asking questions? Well, what's interesting is that I found that uh, the entire world is conspiring against women uh, <laughs> to basically uh, treat, our, treat, our, treat our time as if it's um, the least valuable currency that we should mm. just give away to others. Mm. Um, whereas we, as, and as we sort of treat women's time as if it's infinite, like sand, we also guard men's time as if it's finite, like diamonds. And what that Oof. does is we start when we protect men's time, but treat ours as infinite, we end up making decisions Oof. that are actually not based on us, Kelsey. It's based mm -hmm. on our availability to others. Mm. And that was a problem for me. Mm. What it meant was that my life didn't look anything like I thought it was going to look like. There was a lot of surprise, as I said, rage and resentment. It meant that uh, if a school called, the school called and my kid was sick, my day was automatically changed because oh. my time, again, is, is worthless. So I'm going to be the right. one picking them up from school, not my partner. Mm. So what it, it led me on was this understanding, really, um, that two-thirds or more of of what is done in the home, childcare and housework, is done by women. Oh. We do uh, all of the unpaid labor of the uh, sandwich generations, too, if you're caring oh. for elders. Mm. Um, there's a, a lot of unpaid labor in this world that is done by us there as well. And so what it re reminded me of was that I wasn't a role. Mm. Um, I had been defined on that blueberries breakdown day for three years consistently. I had lost mm. my name. I had been erased. Mm. And so I was uh, finally understanding that uh, the idea of, of, of the nurse handing me my son in the hospital, calling me, hi, mom, uh, how are you feeling, as opposed to my name, Eve, mm. was actually so much bigger, Kelsey, because mm. what it meant was that over time, uh, I was going to be erased. Right. And that erasure wow. uh, causes a lot of disruption in someone's life uh, mm. and in then the lives around them. And then you do that collectively to women mm. all over this country, especially during a global pandemic. Oof. And then you have something to write about. And that's Sheesh. that's how my first book came about. I mean, you hit the nail on the head wrapping that up as like, if we weren't already, excuse my French, fucked up before this pandemic mm -hmm. came and we once again saw so much falling on women, women of color, it's it's it, ripe for the writing, I guess you could say. So tell me, what did you write and why? <laughs> well, I definitely was confidently insecure that I didn't know <laughs> anything about mm. my subject which was, I thought, gender studies. Because um, mm. I'd never taken a class in gender studies. My role in life was to act and emulate men as much as possible. Wow. To be an M&A, uh, to get my Harvard degree, as you said, and just be like all the other men who came out of the Ivy Leagues with your head down 15 hours in a chair. Wow. But what I learned in the process of being confidently insecure was that <laughs> all of the remixes of our life, all of the... Mm. the the things that make us who we are actually lead us to where we want to be. Mm. And so for me, it was an understanding that one, I'm a mediator. I'm literally trained mm. 
I work for families that look like the HBO show Succession. That's what my career is. <laughs> oh my! And you should all God. feel bad for me because it's really, yes, do. Kelsey. It's hard work. I do. And I can write that show, but even crazier and weirder. So I bet. So that's my day job, mm. and so when I was able to remix and understand that creating family systems, bringing grace and humor and generosity to complex family systems, family businesses, and family foundations when they're making the hardest decisions could inform my blueberries breakdown. That's when everything in my life changed. Mm. I was insecure about saying, I, I, something is wrong, right? Mm. Something is wrong in my marriage. Something is wrong. I can't really articulate it, but I do know that there's a question I believe that I, this is what I was confident. About. So I was insecure to, to, to voice that. What sure. I was confident about was that I could ask a question that I didn't think anybody else had asked before in mm. my way, which is what would it look like if we treated our homes as our most important organizations? Whew. I remember I asked one man this question and I <laughs> said that to him because he was also someone like me who's trained in organizational systems and management and governance, which is a lot of, you know, a lot of lawyers who are in corporate, the corporate world work trained in governance, how to make decisions. And I, and I said to him, well, what would, you know, you were also trained in governance. What would our homes look like if we use these systems? And he looked like, oh, you mean, he said to me, you mean like my home Eve, where we wait to decide who's taking the dog out, right? <laughs> when it's about to take a piss on the rug. Oh. And I said, yes, whatever that is, but the opposite. <laughs> And I no. guess I knew I could, I, not that, but I knew that that decision fatigue, that overwhelm, mm. that boredom, mm. the words that people were associating with home life, mm. though the, the deadly combination of overwhelm and boredom, I knew that I could at least make things more efficient because mm. I had the training to do so in right. very complex organizations. Wow. And so that's what I was confident about, that no matter yeah. what, that I could at least start writing about this idea that your home is your most important organization. Mm. And if that is so, mm. here's how you get to the accountability and trust of Ooh. a great organization. That, wow. that, that was the, the part of, that was the confident, um, wow. in the confident and secure, uh, equation. I love, I've never had a guest like use the title of the show as a format to explain that <laughs> answer. So I just, one, 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 chef's kiss right to you. Um, I mean, not without giving away everything, I would love to know a little bit about what are those ways of developing, uh, those systems and the trust and the accountability. Well, there's a secret formula, which was actually great <laughs> to see in the data. And it is, it's like saying you don't eat sugar, which I will never be able to do, but Can't. I do know that someone right could say you. that. <laughs> so, you know, it's, let's just say it's easier said than done, but the secret formula for thriving, especially in a really non thriving time mm. is a combination. And believe me, I'm, the air is so polluted and we're fighting for paid leave and we're yes. fighting for universal childcare and yes. for, uh, to make it easier. Mm. But let's just say that in that context, there, the secret formula, the personal agency we can take is understanding the power of boundaries, mm. systems, and communication. Wow. If a family structure had, whether it's a roommate, mm. you're living with your parents, whether you're in a partnership with a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, uh, a polyamorous relationship as some of the people I interviewed were with, whatever your family structure, boundaries, systems, and communication are the way to get there, Kelsey. Mm. And I know we can unpack that, but I do want to tell you there, are, there is this 
magic formula. Yeah. I mean, that's the best news, right? Is that we're not stuck in the ways of what maybe we were trained by society or our own families to believe, right? Like, I think my biggest fear, not to get a little selfish, but why not? It's my podcast. Of uh, course. My biggest fear around surrounding having children and a reason why I've been so adamant not to is because I've seen what it's, I'm making air quotes, like done to other friends of mine, right? Where they knew it was good. A lot of the responsibility was going to fall on them as the woman in the house. And it ended up being what they projected despite trying to, you know, therapize or whatever they needed to prior, go to all the classes, read all the baby books. But there is, again, good news that we can change these systems and that we do have an opportunity to teach old dogs new tricks. But how can we, how can we, how, what if we're already in a partnership and you really want to change, but maybe someone else in the household isn't as uh, much of a reader, you know, doesn't understand your systems and, and yeah, well, this is a one-on-one let's do the one-on-one here. And Kelsey, (laughs) by the way, um, one of my, talks that I give uh, when, when I'm talking to 21-year-olds uh, at their graduation, especially women, is is you only have 10 years left to live. Woo. Because the assumptions that start Woo. happening to us at 31, whether or not you have kids, if you're in a quote-unquote traditional workplace, our pay equity, the bias, mm. it starts to seep in. And if you don't want that to happen, you have to spend a lifetime of convincing people that you're not going to be a mother. Mm. The strongest of bias against women is in the form of motherhood. So I understand mm. why it's so scary. Mm. I am a ghost of Christmas future to say, <laughs> I, I wish I wish someone had told me how hard it was Oof. in a realistic way, not yeah. just like, you know, that your vagina would tear. You know, more yeah. people are talking about that. But talking about the erasure, as we said, right. that literally the person I was at 21 was, duh, Kelsey, you know, I was going to be a Nick City dancer and duh. president. Duh. Because... And, and then I would probably add Senator in too, because, yeah, why not? you know, the legislators, they're so lazy. They like end yeah. at like four. So you can do <laughs> issue all your executive orders at night. Yeah. And then um, you can fly Air Force One in to, to Madison Square Garden. There you go. To do the 1230 performance. Right. And then just You're fly fine. back. Right. Yeah. yeah I you got it totally planned. Good. Yeah. That was 21 year old Eve. And mm. that was a fucking lie. Let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> because... 10 years later, as I said, I'm sitting or 13 years later, I'm sitting. No, this would be, yeah, from 21 to this (laughs) would be. Yeah, 13 years later, (laughs) I'm sitting in a preschool class. Again, haven't had my name erased. I'm Mm. I'm Zach's mom now since the Mm. hospital where he was given to me. I'm sitting around a preschool classroom with all women and a couple of gay fathers because, as I said, women's (laughs) time is is infinite. It's, you know, our time is not valued. We are sitting around in a circle. This preschool teacher, very kind person, said, I, you know, look around. The people around you are going to be the people that you're going to know you the best of your life. They're going to support you through hard times. You're going to be with them for 10 years. Mm. I'm looking around, Kelsey, awkwardly at all these other faces. Zach is in my lap. And then I'm thinking and looking around and thinking, okay, so these are the people who are going to know me better than anybody else in the world. As I look down at my name tag that says Zach's mom, Oh. I'm thinking to myself, these people don't even know my fucking name. Yeah, what the hell? They don't even know my name. And so what that reinforced for me 
mm. was that I was essentially erased. The reason why these mm. people were going to know me the best uh, that anybody else had ever known me is because they're going to know my son. Oof. And I should be in dis- defined mm-hmm. in that role. So I, mm. so I understand the hesitance and the fear of having, of being erased, mm. of being defined as a, as in your roles as a parent and or partner and or professional, which is mm. really the only thing women are allowed to do. So here, mm. this is why this is such a good segue, which you asked me into our first piece of the formula, a boundary. Mm. So a boundary for women is the opposite of being erased. Oof. It's understanding that your time is diamonds. Oof. Your time is not infinite. And what that means is that we have to recognize that to have a true boundary, mm. we have to recognize the opposite of that boundary, which is that, as I've said earlier, time is our most valuable currency. We're taught from birth to give it away for free. Mm-hmm. When you can say to yourself, even in my roles, I still believe my time is diamonds. And what that means is I have to ignore or erase seeing from birth things like messaging, like breastfeeding is free, mm. which is really 1,800 hours a year. It's a full-time job. Wow. We, ha- we have to unsee things that like unsee the fact that when women enter male professions, salaries automatically go down. Mm-hmm. So we know that we um, are less value. Our time is less valuable. But then what we have to do, which is the hardest part, Kelsey, is we can't become complicit in our own oppression. Mm. So it means the way I was doing it, the way I was complicit in my own oppression was I was saying things to myself like, my job is more flexible, mm. so I should do more in the home. Mm. Seth makes more money than me, so I should do more in the home, even though I would mm. argue actually my job is more valuable, but whatever, <laughs> now I know that. I didn't know it then because I was thinking of time as money. Sure. I was saying things to myself and the time it takes me to tell him, her, they what to do, I should do it myself. Wow. I was thinking it's a badge of honor to be a better multitasker, that somehow I was a different, a better multitasker. I was wired differently for care, mm. all complete bullshit. Mm. And I was saying things like, oh, I can find the time. It's no big deal. You know, Seth is better at focusing on one task at a time. At a time. I could find the time. Wow. We're not Albert Einstein. There's no. no way to find time. There's just a different expectation <laughs> over how we're supposed to use our time. Woo! So the boundary that we're talking about here is you have a permission to be unavailable from your roles. Wow. That's it. Wow. It took me 10 years to learn, Kelsey. Wow. If I could give a 101 to you in the primer here to say, yes. I understand and validate your concern because that boundary is breached every fucking day Woo! for women, then yes. I'm here to tell you that I understand why you are would be reticent to enter a place where boundaries are breached even more because you add on that additional P of being a parent. My God, Eve, you got me fucking hyped up over here. I feel like going outside and just punching a man for no reason, (laughs) but it's actually so ironic that you're saying all of this because literally minutes before we jumped on this call, I had tweeted out something. I said, has anyone in America adopted the four day work week just on their own time? And how is it going? Because I have seriously been considering changing my Calendly to Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. and just working my balls off in those hours and changing it myself because I'm waiting to see how like these studies are going in Scandinavia and Sweden and all these things where they're changing to the four day work week. And I'm like, why don't we just start owning that 
today. And it doesn't have to just apply to work. It can apply to motherhood, friendship, relationship. Amen. I mean, you, you got me hype, girl. I mean. But that is it. And look, look, what what's happening now to all sectors. And this is for mm. people. You can we can acknowledge that that's a privileged conversation to say totally. that we would have that choice. However, 100%. however, we are not commodities. Mm. We are not capital. Mm. Capitalist patriarchal societies has said we will use you as capital and throw you out mm. when you are burned. We will burn you to the ground. Mm. So yes, do I believe in a four day work week? One thousand mm. percent. Do I believe for it in hospitals? Yes. Do I believe Oof. for it in factories? Yes. Wow. I believe for it in every place, mm. not just, you know, the work from home set, but we can start with that. If you want to start with that, that's 20 million Americans. Wow. And so what would be so good about understanding that, Kelsey, is yeah. that I believe if we had a four-day work week. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year, like uh, premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like, I can dress them up, I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my God. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order in 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? <laughs> you are talking to two sober Sallies. You know Zach and I love to drink recess zero-proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, and it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. It would start changing the thing that I care most about, which is systems. Again, we're sort of, you're like leading me to this. Yes, I love it. I don't know if you, I don't, we didn't do this in, in, in practice. This actually no, just happened. No, but, but we're just so but, good with each other. The sparkle. But systems, <laughs> systems, which is number two. We did boundaries. Mm-hmm. Now we're entering systems. A system is 
a way to make a decision before you have to make a decision. Mm. And so the system that has worked for who makes decisions in our country right now has been a system where I make no decisions about the home, Mm. unpaid labor, because my partner makes all those decisions. Mm. That segmented work doesn't work for women because what's been Mm. happening in a country of income inequality is we actually can't do things on a one-person salary. So now we're expecting women to contribute financially to the home Mm. or to be a primary or co-breadwinner and not change any of the systems that we had in the home. Right. That is untenable. It's not just burnout. It's a moral failure of our society to to have it built on the backs of the unpaid labor of women. And Mm. then in white feminism, which has Mm -hmm. been sort of the predominant feminism, Mm -hmm. I believe, until this pandemic, Mm -hmm. has basically said, well, just outsource all that crap to women Mm. of color Mm. and undervalue and underpay them. That Mm. is not the way that white women are going to get ahead in the society. So back to systems and what you Mm. said about the four-day work week. What I would say is that the people responsible right now for making decisions in this country, 70% of our 1%, Mm. are white men with stay-at-home wives. So if we went to a four-day work week, if we went to a place where we stopped looking at workers as capital um, and we included people who needed that more predictable flexibility, Mm -hmm. like caregivers, uh, minoritized populations that, that, that need more time because they don't have a stay-at-home wife in the wings making every other decision in their system, mm-hmm. then I think we would actually start seeing the power structures change. So, so yes to your four-day work week, yes to the changing in systems because I do believe it'll, it'll help us then change who's actually making the decisions uh, in, in, the, in the power structures of our country. Just very casually changing the power systems in our right. country. Just yes. very casual. Like I just, I just started to understand government when you know who came into office. So I'm like gung ho on that. But I yeah. do think it's yeah, changing. That's what I right? think about every night. It's definitely not. Oh. Just, it's, I, it's it's the cause of my insomnia is, is the seventy percent <laughs> of the one percent being men with stay at home wives. It, it it keeps me up at night, Kelsey. Well, you brought up such a good point too of like this girl boss era, right? This white feminism era where it was, I proudly identified as a girl boss for so long because I was raised by a girl boss mom, right? Like she was like, you have your own bank accounts. You don't need to get married. You don't need to have children, like do whatever you want. And I, I owned that and it was exhausting. I was tired all the time. I wasn't healthy. I was drinking my balls off. I, I'm two and a half years sober now. So like got that Yay. kind of part under control. But I am someone who over the pandemic thrived as an independent creator. You know, I used to work for a big company, left that in 2018, spent a year trying to figure it out. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, ooh, this is actually the perfect time for me to change my systems. And I felt like I learned how to prioritize myself and my health and my relationships. And I feel like I have a good work-life balance, but I do have still, and I don't know what better way to put this, so excuse me again, but I just still have that cunty inner monologue that is just like, you're not enough. You Now you're getting lazy. Now you're not making as much. You know, I, I still have a very mean internal dialogue. So like totally on board with you. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the systems. What about like 
yeah. that internal patriarchy system you. inside myself. <laughs> well, again, as if you, we did not practice this, but somehow we're rolling out to yes. communications. I'm so we it. really are in, I've actually never been able to sort of really do uh. a deep dive in all three. Wow, so, look at us. You're a great, you're a great interviewer, Kelsey. Oh, um, you are. But the, the, the communications piece, which is exactly what we're just talking about, is actually broken. So as a mediator, this is how I look at communication. Mm. I look at, and, and I, in, in complex family systems, this is how it plays out. There's two types of communication. Mm. There is self-talk, and then there's how you communicate with others. Mm. So let's let's talk about self-talk first, because that's yes. sort of this inner monologue you just said. Yes. Again, that we didn't rehearse, but that <laughs> came up. And so it's I'm there. so happy it did. Well, you did a great but, book, so I mean, you know what you're <laughs> well, talking thank about. Thank you. <laughs> but this inner monologue, so let's talk a little bit about guilt and shame, because yes. that's really these emotions that you're saying. You know, I feel mm. guilty for a four-day work week. I'm lazy. I feel mm-hmm. guilty for not working harder. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it then affects me, like you said, I'm I'm bad. It's that mm-hmm. shame that, you know, Brene Brown talks about or a lot of other experts too. So what I think are so interesting about guilt and shame in my research Mm. is that they happen to be two emotions, Kelsey, that really, for women, affect our decision-making. So rage and sadness and happiness, those are emotions, resentment, um, but they're not – I don't see them actually affecting daily decisions the same Mm. way guilt and shame do. And to me, that's why guilt and shame are so scary. Right. So I'll give you an example, a very small example. Two weeks ago, free COVID tests. Ta-da, they come out, I guess, in America. (laughs) Yeah. Six text chains. Six. I'm getting this link from six different text chains. An old carpool text chain, my nasty women (laughs) political text chain, (laughs) uh, my old old friends from my Michigan girls text chain. And I kept writing back to all these text chains, are men getting these links? Are men getting these links? Are men ordering these tests? And... All my friends are like, gotcha. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not here for a gotcha moment. But I'm here <laughs> to explain to you, which mm. I always do, and this is why you're annoyed with me after 10 years of doing this, is that when an external factor, free COVID tests, mm-hmm. I have to protect my family. I'm a terrible ma- mom mm. or, or, or partner if I don't order these tests to protect my family. That guilt of leaving that link and not acting on it immediately is why that hour of time for all of those women was were compromised. You fucking got me. That's you it. You got me red-handed. So I did that. I will that. say to you, <laughs> I don't want that inner monologue to make your decisions. Oof. What I would say is I'd rather you listen to that inner monologue. So maybe you, maybe you say to yourself, I really am going to do this Calendly 11 to mm-hmm. 3 thing right now. I really mm. am going to do that. You can hear yourself saying, I'm lazy, I suck. Um, the stuff I'm doing makes is no value, even though I'm yeah. telling you, obviously prioritizing yourself, being interested in your own life outside oh. your work is the most important thing you can do. I wrote a wow. second whole book about it. Yes, you did. But, but that is, it is all we can do to ha- besides we can't control the external forces that have conditioned us to feel this way, but mm. we can notice mm. if guilt and shame is going to change our decision-making. If you ultimately decide to break your boundary mm. by saying, oh, I said 11 to 3, but this is an important uh, opportunity. I'll do it at 5. As long as you say, I'm doing this from a place of power and not saying I'm doing this because I really feel guilty that I'm lazy 
and I should be doing this. Mm. That's how guilt. And so that's the self-talk we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Before you can start asking for what you need externally, we do have to recognize that that guilt and shame that you're bringing up in your inner monologue um, can affect our decision making and breaking mm. that cycle is going to be really important. You're so right because those voices never come from how can I be more creative or like how will this inspire me? It's like just do more. And I'm like more of what? Like give me some guidance. And it's there's nothing specific to it. And I think by trying to break that cycle like you're saying like break that voice open it's flipping and it's on its head and focusing exactly on what you're talking about which is yeah unicorn space. Let's talk about it. What is that? Why is it important? Why is it such a fun name? Well, thank you. So it's back to, so we did boundary systems and communication. Now we're going back to boundaries. Yes. Because really what a true boundary is, as we are we're talking about earlier, when you protect your time, it is not a walk around the block, people. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, we're too burnt out for that. It is not mm-hmm. a drink with a friend. And Kelsey and I both don't drink. It is... Not enough, mm. even though those things are important. Basic self-care is important. Friendships are important. But the only antidote right now to the burnout that we're experiencing mm. is being interested in our own lives. Mm. And to get, to get to that, we have to occupy what I call unicorn spaces. They are spaces of three things, curiosity, connection, and completion. So mm. this... Kelsey, I'm going to put words in your mouth. Do it. I'm I'm going to argue that listening to you, getting, you know, preparing for this interview, listening to you, I felt I was entering a unicorn, one of your unicorn spaces yes. in this podcast. Uh. Not because I say, oh, Kelsey's so creative. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> or Kelsey's so passionate. I don't, again, let's retire that word. Or Kelsey has a side hustle. I don't care if, <laughs> if this is a dollar or a billion dollars. Or because Kelsey has a vanity project. All these words that have been, or a hobby, mm. these have been traditionally mm. used to devalue women's creative contributions. Mm. I wanted a new word for it. Unicorn space is this idea that there's a space that's magical, but it doesn't fucking exist <laughs> until we can reclaim it, right? Like, like, I love magical beings. I really love them. But we have to conjure them. We have to create them. Yes. They take work. Santa Oof. takes work. Yes. A tooth fairy takes work. A unicorn yes. space takes work. So this is how it works. So I'll put words in your mouth. So yes. you become curious, mm-hmm. right? I wonder if I could if I could reach out uh, to a certain demographic and and talk to them in a, a real you know more re- real real way than maybe mm-hmm. people have talked about important subjects in the past, right? So mm-hmm. you start confidently and secure, or at least you have that idea. You're curious. Then you share your idea with the world, or you. Write down your questions for your first guest. That's the connection piece, right? It didn't mm. just stay as a curiosity. went to a connection. Mm. And then the completion is the important part. Mm. It didn't stay an unfulfilled dream. Mm. You uploaded an episode, matter yes, whether you didn't did. like the sound of your voice, whether Ugh. you didn't like the way you edited it, you uploaded yes. an yes. episode. That's it. Wow. That's the cycle. That's mm. a unicorn space because what it does Instead of those overwhelm and boredom and all and, and those inner monologue that we said we have to do more and more, the feeling I'm trying to gift to all of us is that I can't believe I just did that. Right. Exactly. That's what people kept saying to me. How do you feel in your unicorn space? How do you feel when you're in your you did that complicated crochet knot 
when you're on the improv stage, when you're uh, researching ham radio, like the randomest <laughs> things, whatever it is. Yeah. It was, I can't tell you what it is for you, but I can tell you that the emotion coming back from people was, I can't believe yes. I just did that. 100%. That's the, the feeling that I'm hoping for that I'm wanting to give to people and and, it, and that's what a unicorn space is. That's why it has that, it, that name. It is so spot on that I can't believe I did this feeling because it seems like something so simple, right? Like I'm in the entertainment world. I'm a comedian. I'm a unscripted personality. Like there's no reason why I shouldn't do a podcast. There's so many, rather than focusing on that negative aspect of it, it's looking at it from the positive. And that's exactly how I feel is I can't believe I, you know, just made a short film. I can't believe I'm developing a documentary. I can't believe I have this podcast that's been running now for three years. It's, it's truly an unbelievable feeling. And I want to ask how, I mean, and this kind of applies to, to the pandemic times too, which I'm sure you've been asked so many times, like how the fuck are we supposed to find those unicorn spaces yeah. in yeah. the times that we're living in? And again, totally acknowledging that a lot of this comes from a place of privilege, but how do you stay motivated during that that period of time between connection and completion? Like, how do you get out of your own way? Well, I think it's a great question. And I think, ironically, a lot of communities that didn't have uh, financial capital, um, one of my favorite quotes is by a man, a spoken word artist named Mark Bermuthi Joseph, who says, you know, creative capital has been a capital of many different populations that have not had access mm. to Mm. to monetary capital. So I will be here to say that creativity and constraints mm. is something that go they go well together. Mm. And the reason why is because what I'm not talking about here is I wish you to be happy. I didn't say that. I said I wish you a unicorn space, yeah. a curiosity, a connection, and a completion. Because what I found out in in researching my second book, which was a sequel to, okay, now that we have these boundary systems and communications in place, Eve, what do I do with my time? <laughs> I've sort of lost who I Oof. am anymore. You know, what, okay, well, what are you curious about? Well, um, scrolling my friend's Venmo transaction. I'm like, no, no, not that. <laughs> right? So it was, it was sort of being <sighs> confounded by this, mm. you know, in 17 countries, this idea that, sh you know, we've, we've had this passion gap for so long that we haven't been able to nurture mm. and it's going to, it's going to die, right? It's going to mm. wither. And so to bring it back, we have to recognize that, um, it's not optional, mm. that, mm. It, that creativity is not optional. It is Love not optional. And, and, and when you look at how we've been coping for this pandemic, mm. what was interesting in going to the research was that meaning and happiness correlate. Mm. They do. They correlate. Yeah. However, there's a lot of times when happiness and meaning don't correlate mm. and when meaning and happiness don't co correlate. So happiness without meaning is the drinking we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. It's coping ad adaptations that are feel good in the moment, mm -hmm. but don't bring it. I can't believe I just did that. Right. It is the binge watching TV. It's for me, emotional mm -hmm. eating. Me too. It is mm -hmm. doom scrolling. Yep. Um, that that <laughs> is, is happiness without meaning. I get it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of meaning without happiness, which is what we first started the podcast, which, which is why I'm afraid of motherhood for people. <laughs> being, being a mother is highly meaningful. It is. Oof. Doesn't bring happiness. Ooh. We know that from the studies. It just yes. it doesn't. There's we do existential know it meaning. From the studies. 
But people would say that report they'd rather be in a root canal chair than hang out with their toddler. Yes. By people, I mean me. I love what you, Anna, but I'd rather be in a root canal chair. And so wow. we're looking for here the intersection of happiness and meaning. Mm. We're trying to create those experiences, if they're not correlating, where they can connect. Mm. And that is an important space to be in. That's our umbrella Mm. to weather the storm because it's not going to stop raining. Mm. So what I'm here to say is that this is not a how to be happy always or carve out time (laughs) for happiness. Or as one woman said, gratitude journal yourself to death. It's saying that carving out unicorn spaces become experiences that cannot be taken away from you. No matter what, Kelsey, Mm. your short film is not going to be taken away from you. Mm. However the world judges it, Mm -hmm. it still can't be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And those are the experiences that sustain us Mm -hmm. in the rain. And that's what we're talking about here today. We're talking about uh, how to sustain ourselves during periods of big and deep disruption, which mm. is absolutely what we, we're coming out of right now. Right, right. I, Eve, you have me so hype. I can't explain like how just <laughs> pumped I am. And not necessarily to go do more work, but to like no. look at my, look at all of my systems, take inventory again. And especially that, you know, that passion gap that you were talking about that like, I also hate that word. It's, it's what, what is that, that the, the unicorn space, gosh, you, you really did find a way to put a feeling <laughs> and a meaning together and give it such a fun name. Um, I cannot believe we've already been talking for as long as we have. But I, and Kelsey, I, I know we're wrapping, but I want to say one thing to you. Tell me, celebrate, celebrate those completions. Well, I was just going right? to ask for a cherry Please. on top. I was that just going to ask for it. It is. If I, I, me looking at your body of work and and getting to to know you because I always like to research. Who doesn't Instagram the, the stalk shows? Right, of course, yeah. but <laughs> of course, it, but you know, celebrate the completions. You know, you've mm. you've done important things as opposed to, like you said, that internal voice about working harder or always mm. having to look forward. Take, take us, a, a, you know, light that candle, eat a cup, eat a cupcake. I I'm did. Happy. I had two cupcakes yesterday. Yes. And just <laughs> do what, eat one every day. Celebrate, yes. light that candle, celebrate, look back and say that curiosity connection and completion got me to where I am. And even if you did nothing else, you would have done things that were really important. That that is what I mean by completion. See, you we're so good together. You answered my last question before I you we're just here. We're 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 in the flow state together. I just I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with your messaging. Please tell the confidants if they want to deep dive more, which they absolutely should, where can we find you? Well, I'd say th- it depends on on where you want to start. If you want to start with I don't have uh, a curiosity. I would say find your unicorn space, the book. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. We have a lot of important interventions for addressing the passion gap. Mm. I would say if you're somebody who says, um, I struggle with perfection being completion, I would say probably start with fair play mm. because uh, we want to be able to get you from a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams, as my friend Amanda calls them, to completions uh, that matter to you. So there's a book for everyone out there. Um, but the good news is that, you know, we this is a work in progress, Kelsey. And we will just keep continuing to hopefully meet, create communities for women. I wish I had mm, confidently mm-hmm. insecure, you know, 13 oh. years ago where I felt like there was no community nice. for, for women to, to hear uncomfortable things. Mm. 
Mm. And and that's mm. it. I would say follow the, your communities of choice, but you can always find us at Fair Play Life. Um, and if you're feeling more rage and resentment and want to go a little angrier, come to yes. my personal Instagram at Eat <laughs> That's like, where I, I want to be. Angry there. Yes, oh, exactly. I cannot wait. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, confidant, you've heard it all here. Everything will be linked in description below. Eve, I cannot sing your praises high enough. You're such a great guest, such a well-spoken person. Thank you for giving thought to all of the stuff happening in my brain. And confidant, we will see you next week. Boop. <laughs> <laughs>